Hello, and welcome back to Lost in Citations, our regular podcast where we speak to the producers of interesting content and see if we can learn a little bit more about their background. Joining us today is Chris Cooper, who is an adjunct lecturer in English from Likyo University. Very nice to speak to you today, Chris. Yeah, hi, Chris. Thank you for, thank you for inviting me on. Thank you for having me. Uh, I think we first met in Fukuoka at the JALT conference. Is that right? Um, it was the Listening SIG conference. Oh, right, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that was the only, maybe the only one I went to last year. So it, it must be that one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah. then uh, enjoyed a couple of uh, Guinnesses and fish and chips afterwards. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It was. It was good. Nice to go there. Actually, that I think that was my first face-to-face conference in three years or something like that as well so yeah it was yeah nice that was, that was close to mine I think the first one the first face-to-face one was I think Lakeland but then the second one was exactly the listening sig that we did um and also I uh I should mention that uh, this is a, a another kind of sub theme going on in the podcast I myself I'm from Sheffield I've recently had on Sarah Hopkins from Drawnfield and uh, yourself from Wakefield so yeah, another yeah. another Yorkshireman uh, on the pod yeah, nice to uh, yeah. <laughs> Here's some kind of yeah familiar. We're, we're we're quite a rare breed, I think, in in Japan, probably at least. I don't know. Uh, strangely enough, I actually work with someone who's from uh, Clackheaton. Oh, really? So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so strangely, uh, strangely common on this campus, but oh, really? otherwise <laughs> maybe not. So the paper we're going to be speaking about is a corpus of short YouTube news videos to inform course design and materials development in an EFL university setting in Japan. And uh, congratulations. I think that might be the longest title that we've had. Uh, you're up there uh, rivaling <laughs> Robert Murphy uh, okay. with titling of papers. But um, uh, let's go to the, the, the contents of the study that you did. What was it about YouTube videos that kind of suggested themselves as being... Uh, helpful in assisting something like uh, course design and materials development. I, well, I mean, my my I'm doing my PhD right now, and my general interest is in is in YouTube videos, um, mainly because of my own language learning, Japanese language learning, mm-hmm. which is my main study points were actually more than YouTube videos, probably TV like variety shows and that kind of thing. Um, and I always thought like. It would be nice if there was more. There were more English shows on the TV in Japan uh, when I when I first came here. But then, you know, recently, obviously, there's more streaming services and, and YouTube. So that's my like general background. And the the reason I did this paper was, you know, I have this general research interest, and um, I got assigned to teach a news listening course uh, mm. last year, which I actually taught twice once in the spring, once in the fall semester. And um, yeah, there's several like commercial textbooks in this area, but I, I think if you choose a commercial textbook, uh, maybe it's not as, well, the news isn't as new <laughs> anymore. <laughs> it's not as up-to-date. Um, and I just wanted to, and, w- and when I looked on YouTube, there's all these uh, English news channels from various countries. Mm. Um, and, and I thought that might be an interesting way to design the course and then, yeah, but then when, if you don't have a textbook, I thought it would be nice to have some extra materials and that's kind of what I was doing with the, the things I talk about in this paper. Do you, yeah. do you host them on a, on an LMS like Moodle or are they, are they just, um, are the URLs distributed to the students directly? Yeah, I just, uh, I just put, um, the URLs on a, a Google Doc and share mm-hmm. the yeah and then share the Google Doc on on the LMS and, and show like I created a little map that uh, shows where all the channels are you know a, a, like a world map um, and that kind of thing but I mean I'm not like it's not like really strict they can watch news from other channels um, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to find and share channels from different countries like you know like the US and UK there's obviously many more news channels. So it's, I'm not gonna yeah stop someone watching CNN or something if they want it, but you know, it wasn't <laughs> it, it, the one. It wasn't one of the ones I mentioned in my my paper. Uh, yeah, just to uh, give our listeners a, a, an idea of the channels that you selected. So we have ABC News, Al Jazeera, Dang, BBC, CBC, CGTN, for example. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a really good range 
I think. And I, I, more than anything else, as, as someone who is an advocate for uh, English as a lingua franca and world Englishes, I think seeing English being produced in, in, in other varieties and in other locations, but oftentimes talking about news stories they may have heard, our students may have heard internationally, and then domestic news as well. I think it's a, a, um, an interesting method of uh, getting students more familiar with that. Um, now, I was not uh, very familiar with your research instrument, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, how you actually um, collected the, the, the data, how you coded it. So in layman's terms, could you describe what you did with the videos to produce the data for this paper? Yeah. Um, so to look at the well, one some several things I wanted to do. Uh, actually, kind of this this paper, I really put too much into one one paper. Maybe <laughs> it's kind of like <laughs> lots of different things. I, I'm kind of practicing my skills a little partly for my uh, things, other things I want to do. My PhD. Yeah, um, yeah so, uh, spread it out a bit. Spread it out. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> so the first thing I needed to get was uh, transcripts of the of the youtube videos um and like most youtube videos have a have a transcript if you there's like three dots or something on the bottom of the mm -hmm. the video if you click on that you can open the transcript um and that, that's quite useful you can you know uh it can be used as a study uh, like it's to, to do extra study after watching the video or mm -hmm. you can click on a line and, and kind of go back and re-listen so it's really useful uh, so I wanted to get these transcripts but uh, if if you're gonna get transcript by clicking on the bottom and copy and pasting everyone like in this paper I had like eight eight thousand transcripts mm -hmm. uh, that's gonna take a, a long time so I um I've been learning programming basically using Python. Are you familiar with? Uh, no, um, I, I, this is one of the reasons why I, I go almost. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I mean, I, paper from yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I completely wasn't either. I don't like mm. when I, um, I, I'm interested in corpus linguistics and I knew I wanted to build a corpus of YouTube transcripts. Um, and then I think at first I thought, oh yeah, I could just copy and paste the, <laughs> the transcripts across, uh, but, but that's going to take a long time. And some people told me you could use Python. Uh, and, and, I, and this was a couple of years ago. And I started from the point of, I couldn't even download <laughs> Python. It's like, um, uh, or, or something I could, you, you, yeah, even like installing it is quite, uh, or was quite challenging for me, but, but, but basically it's, um, uh you need to write code um mm. computer code to uh to, to download and if you do that you can download um like data for for lots of videos um so is it so, is essentially uh and again this is something that i don't know very much about so if you're on google chrome you can actually just you hit a button and you can see the code that's that's being run on the screen in front of you so yeah, essentially yeah, yeah. what you did was you set up a, a program that would scrape that data from what was available on the front end of youtube so the scrap the, the transcript and did you have to do any cleaning of it did you have to yeah. do any uh tidying of it and, and uh, you know did you use a program for that and how did that work yeah so it sounds like you know you are uh, you know quite a bit about yeah about scraping of things uh like actually um i didn't scrape from chrome I, i'm not sure you can do that with uh youtube transcripts so that's why i don't know i, I don't know how, i don't know how front end the, the transcripts are um yeah, or yeah, yeah what what stages you have to go through so yeah um, so, so the first the first stage is um there's something called the youtube api mm -hmm. which uh works like uh i mean you can you search for like in, in this case i searched for i could search for the all the videos in the specified channel uh like for example abc news in this time period you can set mm -hmm. like search parameters like that or you can use a search term so it, it's kind of kind of works like the the front end the like search bar on, on youtube mm. but the difference is you can get more data from it but but the actual data that you're getting is like a, a video id that's unique to each video and 
then the things like the title and uh, the just like basic data about the video. And then what I did was I used, um, like with Python, there's lots of uh, packages uh, where a package is basically somebody else has, has like written a, a program that, uh, that does something. And, and somebody wrote a program that if you, if you input the YouTube IDs, you get a transcript back from it, um, which apparently is from like an undocumented part of the YouTube API or something. It says on mm -hmm. the, on, yeah. So yeah, I think you, you probably couldn't get it by general web scraping uh, as mm -hmm. far as I'm aware. But um, but if, if the, well, the way that I found to do it was to use this Python package, the YouTube transcripts API is what it's called um, and then get, yeah, transcripts. Yeah. And generally, kind of what was the, the reason for the transcript? Were you wanting to look for uh, trends in the language, patterns, uh, things that you could turn into uh, a syllabus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I write about some things that I made in the paper. Um, and there were, actually, the, the, my starting point was uh, lexical coverage, which I, I write about in the paper too, which... Um, yeah, I mean, actually, I'm kind of moving away a little bit, a bit from in my in my research because I'm I'm not sure uh, how with listening texts. I'm not sure like how good it is as a as a kind of metric. But um, in, in general, like in the in the reading research, um, it's thought that for like intensive reading, you know, like reading a textbook article or something, if you need to know like ninety five percent of the words. Um, and then for like extensive reading, you know, you're reading often creative readers or you know, reading for pleasure, 98%. And then in listening, there's like, there, there's not as much research in this area, but depending on which paper you read, somewhere between uh, 90 and 98%. Uh, and, and it maybe depends on your purpose of, you know, if you're like, if it's something you really need to understand, you know, for a, in a listening test or something like that, yeah, maybe mm. you need to know 98%. Uh, but if you're just watching a, a video to understand the gist, gist or something, maybe 90%. So like the, so the, my starting point was, yeah, download the transcripts and find out what kind of uh, lexical coverage um, rating uh, the transcripts have. Um, mm. Yeah, and as I put in the, Paper it is quite quite high for news videos, um, as you might expect. I guess uh, mm. there's lots of yeah difficult uh, vocabulary in in them. And my I use the uh, a Ceph the Cepher J word list, which is kind of Cepher aligned, mm. and it it seems like you need to be at the according to the just the lexical coverage, learners should be at at least the B two level to understand news comfortably but yeah right I, and it will surprise none of our listeners to know that uh, in the paper when you talk about lexical coverage in the very first sentence you bring up the name of Paul Nation and yeah, so yeah. if you've done any kind of peripheral uh, looking into vocabulary lexical coverage reading things like that um that these that these numbers are at or about yeah um they do they do scale though depending on the context and the um, the background knowledge of the students and so with news it's right there in the title news it's something new so the possibility of even if you have 95 percent coverage of all of the um, structural vocabulary the actual content words might be more difficult to yeah. access yeah so is there anything that you did in relation to kind of teaching students to be uh, ready for words that they didn't know to mm -hmm. come up and, and use their kind of uh, background knowledge and context to help them, you know, maintain their confidence during listening to these news reports. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's, I mean, started with, with that point, maybe like, um, I mean, you know, having to start with having like news from different channels is probably helpful with that. Like one of the channels is Nippon TV. Uh, which is the uh, Japanese news channel. Um, so you, you know, if if them if it's a story that you're more f familiar with, then 
that you maybe you're already familiar with, then maybe you can just uh, concentrate on the language. Uh, you, you know, you kind of already understand what the news is roughly about, and then so that, that's one thing. And the Nippon TV videos uh, are actually very, very short. They're only like one minute often uh, for those ones. Um, or, or not just Nippon TV, you know, if you if it's a news story that you're familiar with, like a, a big news story, I, I think that's important, like having the background knowledge. Um, but yeah, like another thing I did was I made these like word lists, um, encouraged my students to uh, to learn some of the more difficult vocabulary that does occur in, in news videos more often. You know, the mm. uh, I looked at words that were Sefer B1 level and above. Um, yeah, and, and also um, uh, multi-word units as well, like phrases. Uh, yeah, in the a country i think like there was uh, things like across the country was quite frequent was frequent mm -hmm. in in news and um so i create these like mini i'm not sure if i wrote about that in the paper but i'd create these like mini uh listening texts from from youtube news videos um mm. you can set like the start and the finish time on uh, if you use this uh a url that you, that you like embed the video with um and Basically, they would get them to listen to several videos that contain the same phrase and just, you know, get get used to phrases that way. But I mean, I think those things are only a really small, small part. It, it depends, you know, what what the uh, what the learners are, are interested in watching as well. What you, you, yeah, like you said, a lot of the vocabulary in, in news is is new, <laughs> yeah, or um, mm -hmm. very very content specific. Well, in relation to that, you did include, and it's table three, uh, about the top 15 frequent multi-word units that were not filtered by Cepha level. Uh, and it won't surprise anyone to know that things such as a lot of more than X, um, one of the going to be uh, these units. I, I do find this interesting, depending on how much you ever want to do this uh, as part of the syllabus or as part of uh, a wider course of study, uh, I think it's helpful to show, particularly in a country like Japan, where uh, for people who don't live here may not know, um, oftentimes idioms are taught in order to improve not so much the spoken or listening, but the written fluency of the students in English. So not only X, but Y and things like that. And to show that that is not in the most common multi-ranked, you know, not even in the top 200 of uh, idioms that are used in regular English use. So you're, you're right to say that this paper, as it's only 14 pages long, includes an incredible number of things that I think can be kind of teased out into a wider study. But you said that already your, your PhD study is moving away from some of the things that are in the paper. Uh, what are you focusing on mainly? Uh, well, actually, even before I wrote this, this paper is kind of a side project, I, I think, in some ways. But I'm, I'm more interested in informal uh, YouTube videos um, mm. and like, that include informal spoken language. Um, and, you know, how... Uh, I, I want to find out if YouTube informal YouTube videos can be useful to improve the um, you know everyday conversation skills is my big kind of theme. Um, and uh, you know when I when I first started out, my first idea was to all right, I'm just going to look at the the most popular YouTubers or something, um, and and just look at the language in those videos. But I I've but then if you do that, I mean, not everybody is interested in the top, in the most popular YouTubers, I guess. There's there's a lot more mm -hmm. variety. There's, there's a incredible amount of variety on YouTube. Um, so, Indeed. yeah. Um, so what I'm, I'm trying to do uh, is I've downloaded a, as, as near random a sample of YouTube videos as I can. Um, mm. And... Yeah, I don't know how how much I should get into the methodology because it, it might get 
two sidetracks and complicated, but um, I'm doing some, well, like basic in basic terms, like some statistical analysis to mm. um, try to separate uh, YouTube videos that have informal language from from other other YouTube videos, basically. Mm. If that makes sense. Okay, well, then, uh, in order that you don't feel like you're going into the weeds too much with your um, explanation of the, the things that you're doing, let's go back to the actual uh, the title uh, of the of the paper. <clears throat> and we've mm -hmm. talked about YouTube already. Um, how did the findings of this inform course design and materials development? And can you give us any feedback that you've received from students, whether it was, uh, you know, the choice of this medium actually made them uh, more or possibly even less enthusiastic about doing mm -hmm. the, uh, the coursework? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I, yeah, so to start with, you know, I didn't uh, collect any data about uh, the student reaction. So anything I talk about is just, you know, anecdotal. But um, I, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the like presentations were, were very interesting. Uh, I, I think if you use um, news, news, news videos from um, different countries, it, it kind of adds an extra dimension to like things like critical mm. thinking um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i would and some some of the lessons i i would get the learners to uh i would encourage them to watch videos on a you know similar topic from uh different channels um, mm -hmm. and ideally from different countries as well um and yeah they did some of them did presentations on uh similarities and, and differences in news reporting, either um, across what, what kind of what kind of topics did you recommend, or what did they select? My examples were things like the the World Cup in Qatar. Um, so I mean that, that's quite a, one of the channels was Al Jazeera, which is based in Qatar, mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. and the the reporting on on that channel about the World Cup and pretty much all of the Western media is quite different. <laughs> um, there's let's just let's just say uh, we'll put those in air quotes quite different yeah 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 pulls apart i guess but um yeah it's, well, that was one topic what, what else um you know one of the channels is cgtm mm -hmm. uh, which mm -hmm. is uh funded by the chinese government um so that and often if if there was uh some news about china that that was often an interesting contrast the way that the news was reported Mm -hmm. uh or not reported mm -hmm. um um and it's not just china actually i think all countries uh you know like bbc is um also state funded uh, mm -hmm. actually maybe about half of the channels i chose were i think arirang is i think al jazeera is um yeah i can't remember but well, I, I, I think... but most even even if you want to take abc it's not state funded but it is state regulated so they do have certain things uh, like uh, the fairness doctrine and wanting to provide balance on both sides and so i think that bringing up critical analysis at some level is useful exactly what you say uh what are they talking about in relation to the same story but also what are they not talking about in relation yeah. to the same story exactly, um, yeah. and not, not wanting to get into too many specifics about certain areas and different stories but uh, you would have found, let's say, over the last three years, there may be a difference in reporting of certain world-level events um, mm -hmm. from these different uh, news channels. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, again, I'm, I'm really interested in the idea of course design and, and bringing this up. And I always try to, uh, wherever possible, you say that there are, and you're correct, and uh, that there are textbooks that relate to a lot of uh you know even current um material that's available online video material i know that cengage has a whole line of textbooks in using ted mm -hmm. um which is a popular online video platform but the reason i don't use that anymore is the after i'd done used it for two semesters i realized well 
I understand the methodology behind this, but I don't think all the videos are very relevant to my students. I'll go out and find my own videos and create and kind of replicate the methodology based on uh, things that might be more relevant to my students. Uh, you, as you note in the paper, um, the, the B2 level of uh, from CEFA is, and, and CEFA has a lot of these, it's, it's constructed around can-do statements. So can watch short news reports um, and understand uh, them. Do you think that there's a possibility of extending what you're doing to an entire you know, course level uh, where students are introduced to these news stories, look at them from various perspectives, uh, analyze them themselves. I mean, there are uh, even more simple, uh, you know, if you provide them the transcriptions, they can do fairly simple lexical analysis through freely available software. You know, do you think that there is a future in kind of a, a, a slightly non-textbook based, but de you know, decentralized um, material based course for EFL? Like uh, essentially the question is how has what you did in this study changed what you do in the classroom? And is there anything you're going to do differently in the future based on what you learned? Yeah, yeah, I think you made like several points there and um yeah i think with uh, you know a textbook if you can find a textbook that really fits your class and and works well then yeah that, that's good but yeah sometimes it's it's difficult right and sometimes you're like you feel like you're kind of shoehorning something in mm. into the class um so i think the the benefit of this kind of approach is you know yeah you can and there's um you can find all sorts of texts on the internet and that suit your needs and in this case it was news but there, there could be other you know other um a, a whole host of other texts as well um yeah and i didn't um get get learners to look at the vocabulary by themselves but i've uh, you know the you know like um there's lots of tools where you can do that uh tom cobb is that the right I've got his name right. Uh, his like Lex Tutor tools. Absolutely, um, yep. I use yeah. those in my MBA program. And he, um, I think he advocates building a syllabus. Uh, I'm using those to to build like a lexical syllabus. Um, there, there's actually a um, a similar tool that is maybe more recent that I, I used a little bit last semester uh, called Versatext. Um, and again like you you can it just really works with one text so you could you put one text in it it gives you like a word cloud with the most frequent words um mm. and you can see like the the frequency of uh of of the words in the in the text and it does have like uh it doesn't have like cepher level bands but it shows you the the most frequent thousand words, one to two thousand, and uh, academic word lists. So kind of similar to the to Lex Tutor, mm. um, but like I actually use that. I encourage my uh, students to use that one in a a different course um, last semester with uh, called English through movies. Um, mm -hmm. So we'd watch like video clips in the class and have discussions about them, talk about certain language features. But for homework, they would always watch their own movies and write a diary about it. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought one thing they could do with this kind of tool, like Versatext, you could do the same thing with LexTutor, is if you you look, try to find um, words that appear in the, the video, in the text, a lot that you don't know. Um, and, you know, you could do that either before you watch or after um and you know if there's if there's a word that's you don't know that occurs somewhere like you know six or eight or ten times mm -hmm. then it's probably one that is you know useful to mm -hmm. to look up and 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 learn and we especially with movie scripts there's lots of movie scripts available online recently so mm -hmm. um yeah but i mean i, I was introduced my kind of uh, approach with this kind of thing I, i'll introduce lots of tools like this and some students really like them um and some maybe not not so much so i don't know I, I think like giving introducing this kind of tool or this kind of approach and 
and letting the learners decide which ones they want to use for their own language learning, I think is uh, a good approach. Well, I've not I've not used Versatex. I've, I've used LexTutor for about 15 years. And I, I know you, you're a lot younger and more handsome than I am, but if, <laughs> uh, to explain what LexTutor actually looks like, what the actual interface looks like, it's yeah, kind yeah. of like uh, Pong. Right. From, <laughs> yeah. It, it's and, and it's very pong. kind of like cut and paste in here and push this button yeah. like the 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 interface it looks like it shouldn't exist in 2023 yeah, however yeah, yeah, yeah. once i get my students through it and, and how to use it, I, it it works very well for them I, I as i said i use it in my mba program I, i'll get them to get their company's uh like business statement or mission statement in english from their from their company and put it through LexTutor and send me the profile and then try and explain to me why their customers from other countries might not be connecting with it. Mm. Like, does it have good lexical coverage? Are the words that are not, that are, are on the academic word list or are off list, are they actually providing any useful content and information to the person who's reading it? Or is it essentially just something that's been created through AI or Deeple or Google Translate? and they've just uh, fixed a couple of the spellings and it's not really connecting with their customer base. And, and then we kind of rewrite them and then write new ones and, uh, you know, create new businesses and things like that. But the, like the lexical analysis software can give students an understanding of, uh, I've always said when it comes to things like world Englishes and when you're talking when you're talking in your variety to someone with a different variety and they don't understand you, it's not always your fault. Sometimes the person is not necessarily listening to you mm -hmm. because their expectation is of a certain way of speaking or a certain, you know, uh, choice, word choice, for example, whereas mm -hmm. in reality, humans don't speak like that. And so that's kind of where I... I wanted to ask you about in relation to YouTube, because as you said, there are so many different topics that are covered. If you're interested in cooking or you're interested in gardening or you're interested in, uh, you know, news stories are overwhelmingly about things like politics and current events. But if you want to, you know, just watch things in relation to sport or movies, then there's, there's an awful lot out there. Uh, again, I just want to come back to this question about Uh, student feedback. Uh, has this been incorporated long enough that you have received any feedback from students? Do, do mm. they do they like it, or would, or would they prefer a textbook? Um, yeah, well, I, mean, I, I guess I didn't give them the option of the textbooks compared to compare against, but um, <laughs> but yeah, like um, I mean, they they said things like, if it wasn't for this class, I wouldn't do any listening uh, in English, which that's good. Is yeah. Um, Well, yeah it's good and also like <laughs> i don't know it's in some ways well not worrying but um i i think maybe students uh language learners some language learners that often don't appreciate the value of of listening um you mm. know um uh you know yeah and what, what else did they say um i don't know i mean they they did comment on Uh, it was good to hear like different the viewpoints from different countries yeah and uh, and some with the with the to, with the tools that i i made like um i think i didn't really i didn't really mention the concordance so much yet um mm -hmm. yeah maybe the word lists um mm -hmm. were the least popular <laughs> with the students um <laughs> like well, it, get, it like, does look like uh you know middle school homework doesn't it yeah exactly yeah and and i think there's other way like another thing i, I do is like i get them to uh keep a listening diary in this news mm -hmm. class as well so like every week uh because the news videos are so short i ask them to watch at least five news videos and always have like a different uh different kind of goal sometimes it's just to listen for some words or phrases that you don't know or um that you think are interesting Mm -hmm. uh sometimes i might get them to you know, they'll, they'll have to give like a summary in the next class and and think of some discussion questions with their group um that kind of thing but I, i think um yeah like the the doing a listening diary and getting them to actively think about words they don't know and uh phrases they don't know might might actually be a, a better way 
than I, I haven't empirically tested that, but um, it might be a better way for vocabulary learning, in, in, uh, maybe, in my opinion. Well, I mean, a context specific vocabulary learning uh, in particular, I mean, uh, listening diaries, listening journals uh, is something that I've been following since I read a paper from uh, a previous interviewee, uh, Nicola Galloway from the University of uh, Glasgow and her work with um, uh, Heath Rose on listening journals. And so I, I do this every week with my um, first year English students, they can choose you know, one of the things that drew me to this paper is that they can choose, you know, from three different video sources that are available online on the same topic, they have to write a review of what they saw, and then they have to write their opinion of what they think about it. So normally they'll choose, you know, something that is in the news. And so this kind of fit with that idea. Um, one of the things that uh, I wanted to pick up on, because all of this seems to come back to something that you learned in your own language study. And you mentioned uh, Japanese variety shows on television. Mm. Yeah. Now these are often widely mocked for mm. being irreverent and yeah. not particularly, um, uh, not, not containing a lot of useful information, but what they do do, the format relates to essentially your research methodology so they'll pick a topic they'll have a whole bunch of people talking about it while at the same time on the screen they will highlight certain words in subtitling yeah yeah and yeah. and those things pop up so what you're getting is three different forms of input of language learning you're getting the listening you're getting the actual uh context you're seeing the people talking about it and you're getting the language on the screen which for you know, the Japanese, it's pretty easy for them. But for, as a Japanese learner, it's really invaluable when certain, you know, keywords flash up and they change the font and, the, you know, the different colors and things like that. But you're like, oh, that's what they said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've, so, got, the, yeah. Mm. you've got the thing that's happened. The main thing that's happening on the screen, you have someone in the corner reacting to it as well. And it's, yeah, it's, I, I think it's a great way to learn. Um, maybe I could go back a bit and think and, talk about my Japanese learning journey, <laughs> however, a little well, bit. I'll, I'll um, just say, it, as, a, as a finish to that, I've, I've always said that um, Japanese variety shows, if, you, if you've never seen one, essentially think about you're watching people watching people. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. um, like, the actual content of what you're seeing, I don't think is particularly valuable in uh, understanding much of the cultural zeitgeist but if you're trying to learn a language they are very very helpful because you're getting multiple uh forms of input at the same time uh, i don't yeah. think they're particularly entertaining but and <laughs> i I, gen I generally don't watch them anymore my, my, my sons like them very much but uh i when i was you know uh, first in japan it but they were very very uh, helpful to me so uh, yeah tell us about your your own language journey how did it inform yeah. uh your choices for you know your your education phd courses things like that yeah yeah i mean well lang uh, variety shows are i completely agree with you by the way i, I would say they maybe are, <laughs> are entertaining to some to some of them uh but yeah that is def it's definitely part of it but yeah, so i am um, i came to japan in 2010 mm -hmm. um and i was an alt um mainly in elementary schools and I like public elementary schools. Um, if anyone who's out listening outside Japan, it's uh, ALT is assistant language teacher. So uh, minimal or no qualifications. And you work with a, a Japanese in elementary school, like um, the class teacher, the homeroom teacher, um, and you teach English. But but anyway, with my, I'd, I'd been recommended this, Japanese textbook called Japanese for Busy Busy People. I'm looking you know at all four versions of it on my uh, shelf right now. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> which, um, which you know, may, maybe was was useful, but it also um, the the thing that I realized when I was sat at my desk in the teachers' room, and as an ALT, you often have a lot of time in the in the teacher's room if you're maybe if you're lucky um and it, i was in like a small town so um 
Yeah, maybe the I had less classes than than competitiveness. But anyway, I'm sat in the teachers' room, and I just noticed that the the Japanese that I'm I'm hearing all around me is just not not in this book <laughs> Japanese for mm. for busy people. The is you know it's I think um, a lot of time textbooks will start by teaching or maybe only teach like a kind of polite form of the language. Yeah, in, in Japanese, you know, it's desmas form.、Mm -hmm. um, And I just like I couldn't I couldn't hear any of the the words that, from the textbook around me. So、um, to like to remedy that in my first summer, like the only Japanese course I've ever done, I'm completely self-taught. Besides this, is、um, I did like a one-week intensive course in Tokyo、mm -hmm. um, in in my first summer. So I wasn't living in Tokyo at the time.、Um, I was living in Okayama,、um, and I they, it was quite good. They asked you like what you wanted to learn, and I you know I I was I, was, I want to learn informal language. That there must be some <laughs> secret informal language that I don't know about that people are speaking. <laughs> <laughs> and and it turns out that there there is like there yeah, is. The, the 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 way that you conjugate verbs is completely different in everyday speech than it is in the the polite form.、Uh, mm. Is is one thing.、Um, Uh, oh, that, oh, that was the thing that they've—the main thing they focused on in that course, I think, from memory.、Um, and there's there's lots of other things too, but yeah, and that was—and I think after the summer, I went back and、uh, speaking to the Japanese people I knew, and like, wow, your Japanese has just got a lot better in the, in this、uh, mm. short period of time. So, I, I think、um, it's mainly in the—I、um, think it's mainly in the shortening of it.、Mm -hmm. So when you、yeah. talk about desma, the desmas form.、Um, yeah. When you realise that,、uh, or when it's you know made clear to you how high context Japanese language is,、uh, where a single word can or should convey your entire meaning of the answer,、mm -hmm. like my one of my memories of the first six months that I was in Japan was when I could use the word yappari, right, like, right. <laughs>、yeah. like as expected. Correctly, yeah, um, yeah. but it meant that I, and using it correctly, meant that I had listened to every single person in the conversation, and then interjecting with that,、uh, you know, everyone laughed. I was like, "Oh, it、yeah. worked!"、Uh, but even one single word in in Japanese conveys not only have you understood the entirety of the conversation, but that you have an opinion on it, and this is what you would like to convey. Mm -hmm. um, on that point, I just to share a personal story. Very recently, I,、um, as you say, like they Japanese for business people will kind of teach you these like these short interactions that、mm -hmm. never really happen. Yeah, Mister Tanaka, Mister Mr. 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 Smith, or something. I think maybe is the the recurring characters. Exactly, <laughs> and they 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 spend a lot more time in libraries than I have ever spent with. Any Japanese colleague of mine, but、uh, right, right, right. Uh, uh, but recently, I was picking up my kids from their after-school program, and you know, it was dark. I was wearing my coat. I had a hat on. I was had my back turned to the、um, to the street, and、uh, a lady asked me, and said, "Atsuma-san, excuse me,、uh, where is such and such、uh, train station?" Um. And I turned around, and she kind of went <gasps> and realized that she was talking to a non-Japanese person. I'm, I'm、mm. pretty obviously non-Japanese. Yeah, yeah. And, but also, I was kind of, and she, she was almost ready to move on because I was kind of stunned. I was like, "Oh my god!" In twenty <laughs> years of living in Japan, studying Japanese, all this kind of thing, no one has ever asked me for directions. Right, right. Whereas that is like one of the first five conversations. <laughs> The greatest that、compliment. they try and teach you, yeah, yeah, so yeah, like, oh, oh, yeah.、Oh. So it's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the thing, the thing with the with the left <laughs>、yeah. and the right, and go straight、yeah. and find the turn, and it's the one with the the shop on the corner, and then you, and thankfully I was able to、uh, recover my composure and and tell her where to go, but um, well, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. When you bring up you bring up the directions thing, you know, I used, like I said, I I taught in. I was in ALT for the first my first eight years in Japan,、um, and I, yeah, mainly taught in elementary schools. And one of the lessons is, is that yeah, giving directions to a, a tourist, which never, I mean, ever happens. Well, especially for for kids, like for kids, know, exactly. Like,、yeah. When does when does a tourist go up to a, 
uh, I don't know, a nine-year-old kid and ask <laughs> ask them the, the directions to the supermarket or something. Yeah, when was the last time a, a, a Czechoslovakian in their early 40s was like, I don't know how to get to the supermarket. I don't know. I'll ask that seven-year-old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, But yeah, for some reason, it, it I don't know. It's and, like... and it happens in every language. You learn French, German, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, doesn't matter. Like it always turns up very, very early on. Because of course, you're trying to teach uh, you know, readily available Lexus, mm-hmm. like simple things like expressing left and right and, you know, straightforward and, and things like that. But it's, uh, it very rarely transfers into the real world, um, apart from just one time, one time right. in my life. And 20 years. I, remember, of, yeah. I, I, I was, yeah. I was both uh, shocked and uh, pleased by the whole uh, <laughs> effort. So um, to, to wrap up today, uh, could you give us kind of a timeline of where you're going with your study for your PhD, uh, where you hope to be finished? Um, yeah. Recently, we spoke with uh, John about the fact that he's starting his and he hopes to be finished within five years. Do you have mm-hmm. a kind of timetable for your own progress? And what do yeah. you hope to do after that? I do have a timetable. Um, yes, yeah, I don't know if I'm so I'm doing my PhD at a university in Japan, actually. Um Tokyo University of Foreign Studies mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know the reason I chose that well, I mean partly to be honest partly is cost you know, British universities are a lot more expensive How dare you? Um, <laughs> but um, but the um, well the other thing was that, like I thought it would be nice to do my classes some classes face to face but yeah. actually with, with the pandemic it's all been online <laughs> anyway but um but uh, but also like make some maybe make some connections in Japan, and uh, and I found a supervisor that is is basically a internationally renowned expert in my the field that I'm interested in. So that, that's why I chose that one. But um, I'm yeah I'm two years in, um, so I I basically I've done pilot studies and I'm going to be starting. I already have started like main data collection. Um, and I aim to be, I mean, in general, you, you should, it, the program is three years, um, mm-hmm. but, but like my supervisor is very um, pragmatic or very realistic about it. And he, he thinks that, uh, oh, like in talking with him, like may, maybe I can do, get everything finished in, in three years, meaning uh data collection and hopefully most of the analysis within another year mm-hmm. um and then after that um i'd like to ideally i'd like to write the thesis within another year after that is my target so that would be like four and is years it, is it graduation through publication or uh, thesis plus viva what's the is thesis graduation plus, method thesis plus viva yeah um thesis okay. yeah and I, I know the colleagues who i think it depends on the university um some yeah and i know other colleagues or former colleagues who have you, you need like three publications or something and you put them together but into one thesis but mm-hmm. mine is yeah it needs to be like in my second year i had to uh get at least one or two publications which could be in conference proceedings actually this is one of them <laughs> that we're talking about today uh right but then uh yeah it's i need to write a a thesis and th- there's no word limit but um or anything but it's you know I, I how long was i don't know how long your how long was your thesis was it uh i i don't know what the words were I, I do know the pages because i i had to do the i had to redo the whole table of contents in about uh 30 minutes before i sent the sprints it's 316 pages long i think it was about 110,000 words Right, right. Yeah, so I mean, my, my supervisor and people, you know, they, they kind of, yeah, probably like at least 200 pages is what they say. And, but, right, but it might right. be as much as four. It sounds like that. They're, yeah. they're, they're kind of calculating, I think. Uh, sounds like somewhere between 70, 75,000 words. And then you tack on the, uh, the bibliography and, you know, any kind of charts and things like that. You know, yeah. da- data set that you want to include it yeah it might be yeah it could get up to about 400 pages yeah I, mean, I think it you know it depends on the research like if I'm if I'm using lots of giving lots of examples of the language 
from YouTube videos or something. Mm. Maybe yeah, maybe that yeah. might make it longer. Transcripts and but, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. But um but yeah, like I've I've already I've done I did a, a pilot study for like creating my corpus of informal YouTube videos, which is my main focus. And I'm 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 already mm -hmm. recollecting the data, but I'm I'm also wanting to do some classroom research this year as well. So I'm just kind of planning that right now and uh yeah hopefully i can collect some data in the spring semester so yeah hopefully to answer the question i'm two years in hopefully one year one more year of data collection and analysis and another year after that for the thesis is my basic plan yeah all, all of this conversation it's, it's similar to when i talked to john recently about his uh, phd it, it does bring me out in uh, cold sweats and <laughs> an anxiety attacks just sending me back to like about yeah. 10 years ago when I was basically right in your position I was just like yeah I, I need to get this done by this time and this done so I, I, I hope that uh, people listening to this are given motivation and energy for their own um, research activities because there's a whole bunch of people out there doing it and uh, doing it because we you know we want to make uh, the situation better for our students like we yeah. have um uh it's always good to have a goal and an outcome and then something productive at the at the end of it yeah, um, yeah. rather than just having like a, a bound edition of 400 pages and it sits in a library somewhere yeah the, yeah. the experience itself is is a very productive and uh, a valuable uh, thing so um we've been speaking today with uh christopher cooper who is a, a lecturer at Rikyo University and the paper we've been speaking about is a corpus of short YouTube videos to inform course design and materials development in an EFL university setting in Japan. Thank you so much for your time today, Chris, and I wish you all the best with your future endeavors. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Like like I, I mentioned, maybe I didn't mention on the podcast, but I'm a, I'm a fan of the podcast. It does It's useful for me as a PhD student. So yeah, um, please yeah, keep making it. It's yeah, really great podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. And uh, I hope we'll have the chance to speak again in the future. Yeah, yeah, thanks. If you'd like to contact the show, the best place to find out about us is our website, lostincitations.com. Here you can learn more about the background to this project and how you can get involved. Our hope is to help academics, educators, and online content producers get in contact with each other. Our email address is lostincitations at gmail.com. We also have Facebook and LinkedIn pages. Please rate and comment on the sites you use to download your podcasts. It helps us reach more potential listeners. But probably the most helpful thing you can do is, if you like our content, recommend it to a friend and let them know what we're trying to do. Thank you very much.